This is uh, Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM, and I'm talking to uh, Carol Swain. I got the last name right? Is that pronounced? Yeah, you did, yeah. Okay, good. Um, now, your main book you have right now, you have a couple. Uh, one, which is already out, The uh, Giraffes in My Hair, yep. A Rock and Roll Life, which you did with your partner, Bruce. Yep. And the other one, which will be out soon, is uh, Crossing the Empty Quarter, which... Um, I guess is a collection of yeah. a smattering of your uh, short stories from yeah. various anthologies. That's right, yeah. It's, uh, it's a good book. I, I enjoyed both of them. Oh, you've seen the, you seen the anthology as well? Yeah, I've got uh, a PDF of it. The, uh, oh, right, right. Got yeah. it to me, so when I when yeah. said that, you had that coming out, I immediately dropped yeah. down a copy, so it looks great. Oh, thanks, and I think yeah. the other, what was the other one? Food Boy was one of you? Uh, yeah, uh, Food Boy and then one before that as well. I, I'm unable to track down Food Boy, unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's a long one out of the circulation. I, I usually try and get uh, folks' books f to do interviews, like, so we can yeah. be more familiar with all their work and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It slipped through my fingers. Occasionally you can get it on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Depending where you can get it. Um, Amazon isn't very friendly to c Canadians. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, really? Uh. It's, uh, well, all the stuff from the States to ship up here costs about $15. Oh, right. Book. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it did. So, um, I guess we'll start out with what I'm really curious about is your own kind of how you got into comics. Because I look at your work... And I feel like there's something else informing your work beyond comics. Um, yeah, well, I went to like, a lot of comic artists. I went to art school and, and did painting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel like I was like, heavily influenced by comics particularly. I mean, not, not as a child particularly. I mean, I don't remember sort of thinking, looking at the kind of comics that you read as a child over here and thinking, you know... That's what I really, really want to do. Um, but then I got back into it again after art school. I went along to a, a workshop held by um, a magazine called Escape, which Paul Gravette runs. Mm -hmm. And uh, that sort of sparked my interest, really, because I sort of then became aware of things like Raw, you know, and those kind of artists. What was the workshop like? I, I didn't even know he did that kind of thing. Um, I think it was, it was a very kind of um, casual sort of thing. You had to sit there and draw a strip... I think it was about food, food and fear, I think it was. <laughs> and uh, it was in this really plush kind of gallery called the ICA Gallery. And, I've, uh, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. And um, like I said, Paul Gravette was running it with lots of other artists who were contributors to Escape magazine. And it, it was really interesting, you know, suddenly there's this, uh, you know, revelation that you could do anything you like in comics, really. It didn't, didn't have to be sort of superheroes or 
anything like that, you know. So, what brought you to this workshop then? Because if, if it's something you, you were... I, don't, I think I was fed up with painting, but for some reason I didn't make a leap, probably lack of ability, <laughs> into, into fiction or something, you know, just... I like the idea... I mean, I'm, I do remember seeing comics around as a kid, and my parents were sort of vaguely hippie-ish, so, so I was sort of all friends of those would have fat buddies, cat, and I guess crumb stuff and, and stuff like that. So that probably seeped into my subconscious a bit. Um... But I said I was, I was fed up of painting and particularly figurative painting, which is what I was doing. Which is ironic because now I sit drawing people <laughs> <laughs> all, all day long, you know, niddle panels. Um, so I imprisoned myself. Um, what were you using when you're doing your painting? What? What? Sorry. What? Uh, like mediums were you using with your um, oil, oil on canvas. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, d I just sort of just stopped <laughs> and was looking for something else and. Um, yeah, uh, comics just sort of se seemed to came along at the right time, really. You know. the and there was, like I said, there was interesting stuff around that I hadn't really been aware of before. Like I loved Jerry Moriarty's stuff. Mm -hmm. He's fantastic. Have you seen the the new collection? The no, I, I must I must find it. Yeah, because I thought his stuff was wonderful. It's yeah. really interesting because um, they're shot from the original pages oh, in right. color, so you see all the. Uh, the roughs and the mistakes. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just looked at some crumb uh, work in an exhibition the other day and there's almost no mistakes on it. It was frightening. <laughs> there's no, no white out at all, hardly. But, uh, yeah. I don't trust anyone that doesn't have any white hopes. No, <laughs> no. It didn't, it, it, it's a bit inhuman, isn't it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was great, but uh, like I say, there's, there's, there's no human error in there at all. <laughs> Well, if you uh, see a page by Chris Ware, it's actually really interesting because you can just see the the layers and layers and layers of the different positioning he tries. Oh, really? I thought he'd be another one would be you know spotless and it's spotless in the ink, mm. but he uh, he would do a pre preliminary uh, blue pencil, uh. and so you would see in the blue in the on the page you see this massive page. Yeah. And there'd be all these different figures and spots. You can see that he would just like try that there. And he's like, no, he doesn't like that. So he'll try putting the guy there all on the same. Gosh, yeah, paper. yeah. Well, I've never even heard of a blue pencil. <laughs> 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 I don't know, I'm a total amateur, you know. But uh, some some of my pages are kind of um, horrendous. <laughs> so there you go. Well, you do. Is it charcoal? Uh, yeah. Or pencil? Um, pencils first, then charcoal, and then ink. Yeah, anything kind of grainy and black, really. One of the things, like, why I kind of figured or presumed that you weren't, like, jumping directly into comics was the fantastic angles you'd use. Yeah, I, I, I think that's partly out of boredom. <laughs> you know, to keep yourself interested, you know, if you have to draw... I mean, I can understand why people draw, you know, kind of basic portrait frames, because it's, it's quicker and easier, isn't it? But... Um, yeah, I like the idea of, sort of shifting angles. Um, I don't know whether that's film influence or, or, or just like I say, just just trying to vary the vary the page a bit. Well, I mean, yeah. it, the the best term I could come up with, like when I was making my notes, was it it was a camera angle because it would. It yeah, seems like but we look at a lot of um flowing. kind of golden age comics. They have sort of slightly mad angles, don't they? And, mm -hmm. You know, strange sort of perspectives, you know, ridiculously large hand in the foreground, you know, that sort of thing. But probably film, yeah, more than anything else, I would think. What kind of uh, painting influence do you do you pull from? Um, 
think, yeah. Um, well, the impression I like is actually abstract, but I don't. I, I didn't do that. I did figurative, which is, uh, yeah. Um, I like to. I I used to like Edward Hopper quite a lot, mm-hmm. and um, people like uh, Oscar Kokoschka and sort of. I think like the German expressionist sort of heavy dark figures. But I don't know if I like them anymore now. <laughs> 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 I don't know if I like Hopper anymore now so much. I quite like his. Uh, I think his drawings or his etchings. I quite like. Um, uh, Bruce thinks Hopper's obvious. <laughs> just, I don't know what that means, really. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. It was, like I said, yeah. Figured it out. I've kind of gone off. I like. I do. I do like Francis Bacon. Uh, he's great. And Damien Hirst is. Just, I don't know if you. Or you must have heard of Damien Hirst, the big yeah, just British like artist. Installations and stuff. Yeah, but you know, I've done a lot of paintings that look just like Francis Bacon. Funnily enough, but interesting. Yeah, Francis Bacon's work I like, and yeah, like I said, mostly mostly kind of abstract, I think, really. But yeah. I didn't paint like that for some bizarre, <laughs> bizarre reason. I don't know why. Well, it's funny. Like uh, you're talking about, we're talking about Jerry Moriarty, and he started out in abstract. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I've seen his sort of um, figurative paintings, which are a bit Hopper-esque, aren't they? Yeah. You know, sort of people standing in kind of rather barren-looking rooms. Uh, awkward moments. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, in the fifties, when he went to art school, and for a while after that, he was doing abstract, and just he found hmm. that it just it felt empty to him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 but yes, yeah. I think I think I think with paintings, you don't need a story, really, do you? I mean, I, I don't. I'm not putting this right, but with, with, with a comic, obviously, the most important thing to me is the, is the story, really. Not not the way it looks particularly, although that <laughs> it helps if it looks okay, <laughs> but. Um, with painting, I, I don't know the idea of figures painting. I mean, it just seems to sort of run into a dead end <laughs> for me anyway. But yeah. Do you find you can get more involved with the comic work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, it's all to do with story. I mean, I felt like with a painting, you just got one panel, you know, one one sort of rectangle to get it right in, you know, and, and if. It, and that's it, really. I mean, you can—I suppose you can paint the same painting over and over and over again and <laughs> feel like you've done it perfectly. But with, um, you know, with a comet, you have sort of lots of layers and hopefully as many kind of layers and you know subtleties as, as you might get in a, in a story. Which I—I I don't know. I mean, fig- yeah, I don't know. I just sort of with figurative painting, that didn't seem like like it was a possibility. But obviously, it is if you're good enough. <laughs> you can you can paint. Yeah, complex, subtle, fictive paintings, I suppose. I feel like um, looking through your work, you kind of have two... There are probably more, but there's two kind of themes or ideas I kind of get a feeling that there's one side to your work that's very, like, dreamlike, where it's otherworldly and this kind of barren existence. Yeah. And then there's the other part, which kind of... Which I guess links to where it feels uh, very personal in a way. Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny because I don't really see them as, as dreamlike. Um, yeah, I don't really have dreams like my comics, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, anyway. You know, but um, well, one that I was looking at, uh, the firebug. Oh yeah, yeah. Where um, the characters wandering through this forest, and it's just kind of like these little, kind of poetic observations. Yeah. Well, again, I suppose that most of them have a kind of root in reality because there was this character. I used to live. I grew up in Wales, and there was this character who apparently wanted to be a fireman, 
or, or, or was helping put out the forest fires, but then it transpired there was some rumour that he was actually lighting them, you know, so that's what came from a nugget of, of reality, but then, you know, imploded a bit, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and he did look a bit like a match. <laughs> he did have sort of very bright blonde hair and everything. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't say, I don't, I, don't, I don't actually use dreams much at all, really. Oh, so okay. Occasionally, occasionally, but very rarely, really. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be based on dreams. No, 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 I, yeah, I, know, I guess I, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, another story I really liked was the uh, communicable disease. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Was that originally in color when it was printed? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that was commissioned to be a, a color story. It's, it's nice to do color stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to break out from the black and white. But yeah, yeah, it's sort of... Yeah. Tell me a bit it's about good. that one, because it's really interesting, because it's just... It seems like odd little metaphors pulled together. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think uh, tiny, only a very, very tiny root of reality in that one, because there was somewhere out in the countryside beyond this village was some old isolation hospital and I never actually managed to find it <laughs> don't know where it was but obviously it hadn't been used for a long time but um, yeah I, I don't quite know where that one came from <laughs> um, yeah yeah. was there any particular choices in the books that are kind of discussed in it I think I, I remember uh, just books I like I think mostly one that, that there was a Bukowski yeah well it's interesting um, because you chose Ham on Rye which is his childhood book yeah yeah, yeah. around these you know old people yeah, <laughs> and he's quite a sick man himself <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I can't remember what other, there might have been a Babel in there. You know, they've got, they've got writers that I, I particularly like, so I thought I'd do the honour of burying them <laughs> in, the, in the story. But, um, yeah, I, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember exactly what um, was the kind of root of that, of that story. So you tend to forget it as you start drawing it, where, where the idea might have come from, but I like the idea of books flying in anyway, but being sent like uh, I don't know intelligence bombs yeah <laughs> well, they did actually yeah funny enough in um, I think it was a J.G. I think it was a J.G. Ballard book maybe Empire of the Sun uh, in Japan in, sorry in China mm -hmm. after the Japanese had, had left I think the, the Americans flew over and dropped sort of spam and Reader's Digest <laughs> to the two <laughs> refugees you know, the, the, the American refugees and the British refugees and the starving Chinese population I suppose you know, so it was a bit not not uh, exactly what you want to receive. <laughs> Maybe it would be after you know the hell of the war, but uh, spam and Reader's Digest, you know, it's a bit the, nightmarish. The, the worst of both worlds. Yes, <laughs> in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No vibrations, but wait. Out of the night crept the words that have been lying behind the dusty doors and things that should be there, anywhere. As long, as long as the cigarette smoke curls up, not down, from the ashtray, soon it'll be day. Negative, negative. That kid's picture, I like the negative. Name your price, kid. Downstairs. 
One, which maybe it links to your uh, painting past, was the one about the uh, the artist, the kind of graffiti, the anti-artist graffiti one. I remember the name of it. Um, Come downtown. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. It was. I think is that the one where someone dribbles black paint everywhere? Yeah. 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 That that was. Um. Yeah. That was set in Camden Town, which is. Kind of place where something like that might happen if, <laughs> if it actually didn't. But um, yeah, that was that was purely commissioned to for a kind of book about a sort of detective story set in London, sort of a slightly noirish kind of fiction. So that one isn't terribly close to my heart. But apart <laughs> <laughs> from the fact, I wouldn't mind going into bookshops and painting some pages of books black every now and then. That would, that'd be quite fun. But um, there, there was a writer that did that. Well, 
Joe Orton used to go into libraries and deface library books for some reason. But, but yeah, like I said, that was sort of commissioned specifically to be about, a, you know, sort of a vaguely kind of noirish kind of story. Is there um, a particular story you feel most comfortable with telling? Um, not, not really, no. Um, no. <laughs> I, I can't think of, no, not really, no. I mean, uh, I mean, it has been in the past that some stories do, you know, you talk about dreams, do sort of come almost complete, you know, short ones where the idea and the visuals sort of just gel very quickly. That doesn't happen very often, hasn't happened for a long time. Unfortunately, and I don't think it could ever happen with a graphic novel because it's just too long. You know, you know the sort of idea where you, you sort of get a story and it's perfectly formed without you having to do much work to it. But so it'd be nice to have a few more of those. But it uh, <laughs> doesn't happen very often. Now, Food Boy, that was a r- that was a longer story. Yeah. Tell yeah. me a bit about it, since I did not get the chance to read it. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, it's, again, it's it's set in in Wales, and it's um story of a friend whose old school friend has sort of disappeared into the hills and has become sort of feral and it's the, the, the narrator, the, the, the friend who still is in the kind of normal world just goes out and feeds him every so often and um, eventually it gets harder and harder to kind of find him each time and eventually he just has to leave the food on the beach and, and, and uh, it's set around this lake uh, and he just has to sort of leave the food and and that was it really <laughs> that's the end of the story his friend sort of either appears to pick it up or, or doesn't so it's sort of yeah it's about this kind of person who's sort of slowly disappearing off into the wild really one th- looking at your art I'm wondering um, what kind of reference material you use um, do you use much photo reference I mean the characters obviously don't look like they're from photos but I'm just wondering when you're looking yeah. at these odd angles um well a lot is from memory yeah uh, place you know places from memory um the internet is very good <laughs> <laughs> when i was doing you know the art for bruce's book it was you know if you had to find a sort of 1960 63 chevy's just just told me um that would take ages to find if you had to go down to a library and dig it up but you know you just go online and there's hundreds of images come up so that, that's been really useful um but mostly it's, yeah mostly rely on memory really yeah. um and like i say again with bruce's book some photos of people which means you have to at least try to make them look, you know, <laughs> like they're supposed to. Um, well, and, uh, memory is, is something I really feel strongly in your work, where it is definitely capturing memories, um, like the uh, family circus stories, that yeah. based on something from your own experience? Yeah, well, uh, a strange small circus did come to the village. Um, just like it was just basically three people and a monkey and a snake. Um and they did everything, you know, they kind of set the booth up to sell the tickets and they did the refreshments and then they did all the acts and then drove away to the next village. So that one, yeah, that was... And I, I drew from, from memory most of that. Or like what I could remember, you know, I don't... It was a long time ago, so I can't remember exactly what they looked like. <laughs> but but um, I know they did have very holy tights and <laughs> tatty costumes and stuff like that and a, and a very fed-up-looking monkey. Chimpanzee, I should say. But, um, yeah, I mean... Unless it's specific, but you know, you know, and you do need like, I don't know, um, a road in Queens, like I say for Bruce's book. Then mostly I'll just sort of you know do it from memory and mm-hmm. stick to that. Yeah. Tell me about the growing up at a small village in kind of 
creating like a formative art aesthetic like like creating within your own art aesthetic like how growing up in a small village has affected I think it's, I think it's um I find it very difficult to write about cities. <laughs> so I think <laughs> growing up in a small village is, is kind of it was ideal, really. I mean, you could physically go up onto a hill and look down upon it, and there it all was. You know, you could sort of, um, you know, all the characters were there, every kind of archetypal, you know, if you can be so rude as to call people archetypes. <laughs> you know, but every sort of, you know, the bad person, the village idiot, the the vicar, the vicar that runs off with the the pharmacist's wife. I mean, you know, there, there's every sort of stereotype. You know, Stereotype, archetype, yeah, yeah, and because it was small enough to observe all of it pretty much, and everybody knew what everybody else was doing, you know, it was sort of easy to read, you know. Whereas in a city, we do know our neighbours here, actually, but you know, <laughs> a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't know their neighbours, and you know, it's sort of vast, and you know, you get a good focus if you if you come from a small village, you can sort of focus in on the dynamics of it and the characters. You have a lot more anonymity in the city. Yeah, yeah, which I suppose is. is, is good for a writer but then um then you, I mean, you get the kind of the, the sort of cliche here's the Hampstead novel where people write about people who live in northwest london you know which is a bit incestuous but then i write about a welsh village which could be more incestuous really <laughs> so, you know literally um so i i, I yeah I, don't, I just never never felt particularly interested in writing about i like, like drawing landscapes as well so you know that that sort of helps i mean you know rural landscapes rather than urban landscapes do you try and uh get back um not not often <laughs> no but we're thinking of moving back there possibly uh, uh. to a different part but um yeah no it, it's i mean probably if i move to wales i'll start writing about london <laughs> all the time maybe that will happen in a weird shift um well, nothing but urban depravity it uh, almost seems like otherworldly wales um, well, the other thing I think was interesting about it was I was an outsider, you know, I was, I was English, mm-hmm. and the kid of sort of hippie-ish, hippie-ish sort of English people who'd moved into the area, and, um, well, whereas def- it was, you know, before that it was, you know, Welsh farming stock and everything, so there was a definite kind of, you know, outsider element, um, you yeah. definitely don't have the Welsh accent, so... No, <laughs> no, no, and no actually, I can't yeah. speak it either, unfortunately. My, yeah. uh, my girlfriend's, exp- like, uh, she was born in Wales. Oh, right. And uh, her uh, parents are uh, both Canadian and, you know, went there, lived there for a couple of years on a sheep farm and oh. came back, so probably a very <laughs> similar experience. Oh, right, yeah. What, what part? I can't remember. Um. I'm a terrible boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a small country, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's all, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if, I, if she tells me. Um, in the uh, Crossing Empty Quarter uh, book, um, one story you have uh, from the Fanographics Bush uh, Junta oh, yeah, yeah. anthology, the one about the elections. Yeah. Are, uh, is, do you have, uh, are you politically active or concerned? Oh, I'm certainly concerned. <laughs> 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 My God, yes. Uh, well, it has got, it's got a lot better since, uh, you know, Obama, I hope it's going to get a lot better since... Uh, Bruce will have a lot to say on this as well. Uh, hopefully it's got a lot better since Obama's got in, you know, I'm, I'm sure it has, and I'm, hopefully it'll get a lot... Couldn't have got worse, he says. But, you know, it could have been Sarah Payne, couldn't it? Uh, yeah. It's it incredible to even think that it was possible. It's frightening. Um, it yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, t- I'm becoming, uh, the, you know, getting a cynical point of view as they're all pretty much dreadful, <laughs> but, um, but some are less dreadful than others, and... and Wise. I always find something odd about the UK, though, like where you have this um, 
tight social network, but you also have this very involved Big Brother aspect to it too. Yeah. Is it is it like? Well, that's what all, Americans always seem to be afraid of big government, don't they? Which is probably what well, and that's do. that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying the big no. government part. I'm, I'm Canadian. I love my health care. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And you know, I'm on a college radio funded by the government. Oh right, yeah. Students yeah. who get money from student loans. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it, I was talking more about the like the CCTV usage. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the you know the kind of monitoring and surveillance. Yeah, and they're you know, right up there with, uh... Yeah, they are, yeah, um, yeah. In the Middle East, so... <laughs> well, we did have a... Yeah, I, I, I don't know where it started. It probably started under Tony Blair, who was dreadful. You know, yeah. I mean, I thought nothing could be worse than Thatcher, but um, <laughs> then he came along. That's a, that's a tough call. It is, yeah, but I don't think she started an illegal war. She <laughs> was responsible for hundreds of thousands of people's misery. Well, um, you, but you could say she started her own illegal wars on the... Workers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose with Patty, you knew what you know. She was right when you knew what you were getting with Tony Blair. Who's supposed to be Labour, and you know that's supposed to be sort of better, <laughs> like the Democrats, Bruce says. Yeah, you know, but it turned out to be anything but. but yeah, a misnomer of Pardon? titles. A misnomer of uh, titles, or yeah, yeah. Well, new Labour. The new bit was important. We should have taken more notice of that. But <laughs> yeah, with the surveillance thing, you're not really. Terribly aware of it. I mean, I'm gonna ask, but are you terribly aware of being surveilled? <laughs> you, 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 no, you're not. But we're, we're actually um, 300 pictures of us are taken each day. Bruce says that like 300 pictures are taken of Londoners every day. So. Yeah, oh, I can believe it. It's but it's still incredibly high crime rates. So I don't quite know what it's doing. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean, it's probably not nowhere near as high as anywhere in America. Or, I don't know about Canada, but Canada's pretty safe. Yeah, yeah. So it. I, like I say, I'm not entirely sure what the use of it is, but um, you become unaware of it after a while. I think that's that's, that's probably the dangerous thing. You just don't really notice it after a while. You kind of get used to used yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about Bruce and the book, as much as you can say with him sitting right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it was... Um, Bruce had a very interesting life. <laughs> um... And he had a lot. And he writes, and he's had, uh, and he had a lot of stories sort of gathered together of his adventures. And somehow or other, we just thought it would, it would be good to do them as in comic form, you know. And um, Bruce also sort of grew up with comics far more than I, I did, and ran a comic shop, so he's fully sort of immersed in <laughs> comic culture and everything. And um, uh, he was immersed in <laughs> in comics culture. Um, so yeah, and uh, like I said, that, 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 that's just the start of it. He's got even more <laughs> stories lined up as well. So. so this is just the first part of many. I, I, well, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I know he's got more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it seems um, like the uh, your aesthetic that you go through with your illustration, like you, it it doesn't deviate. Like it's not. This is a different book. Like no. it definitely fits in with your other work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you mean, oh, obviously you mean art, art-wise? Art-wise, art like storytelling techniques. Oh, right, right, yeah. Um, sometimes when you see someone, like, do a work that's not strictly their own, they'll yeah. sometimes do it in a different way. Yeah. Or um, it'll be kind of more static and awkward. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel like that with this, where it feels more smooth. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, it's very easy having the writer right next to you. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you can sort of obviously, you know, things can be changed and it's much, much easier. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was very, very easy to work on, really. I mean, I don't, I don't remember ha- us having many arguments about it. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, the one thing I tried to do uh, was obviously because Bruce's friends were in it and they were going to see it was to, to to make them look like they did look at the time. <laughs> uh, so that that was that was a challenge. Um, kind of de-age people. <laughs> yeah, in a flattering way, <laughs> and make them you know look um, continu- you know consistently like themselves if you know what I mean. Cause yeah. Um, but um, so oh, Harvey character, not a character, the person <laughs> complained that he didn't look like himself in in in, a, in the second story. So I didn't quite pull it off, but I tried. Um, well, he uh, should be happy, anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, we kind of. I mean, obviously, the Bruce's stories, and they didn't they didn't really alter that much from the way he wrote them. So. Uh, yeah. One interesting response I'd heard from people, um, not about the story, but about seeing the book, is there's like this presumption that you'd like stop doing comics because it hadn't come out for a while. Yeah. Uh, which I found odd, but there's this, I guess, just people make this assumption, especially. Yeah. When it seems like there's someone is involved within art or. Yeah, I think if you don't obviously have like a regular comic out, um, or. Quite t- spend quite a lot of time between <laughs> projects, then yeah, you tend to sort of do think you stop doing them. But uh, I feel like I'm doing them all the time, <laughs> <laughs> just very slow. That's <laughs> how much I wish t- I could sort of uh, yeah, be more like PK Dick and sort of you know trot out a graphic novel every two weeks or something. <laughs> but, uh, I think or there's something else that comes with uh, the output of Philip K. Dick, well, yeah. Well, yeah, I know what he had to go through. <laughs> <laughs> Well, partly what I had to get, yeah, yeah. No, maybe, I, I do work a bit, I, I'm a bit slow, I must admit, but, um, yeah, I feel like I've been sort of fairly consistently working.
by what I say If it's too rigid Watching. Sometimes I'm catching all I can In the city watching A prophet's plan Oh, and the good life of live people tell Will keep us our souls very well In the wisdom of right ever long And the spirit of us How much time do you th- was spent on this book? On, on the draft book. Yeah. Or on a, any book. On on uh, the draft book. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just ask Bruce how long, how long did it take, the draft book? Probably the whole thing from conception to completion, about a year and a half. I think it took about a year and a half from oh, okay. conception to completion. Probably. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, mean, I keep thinking I'm slow. <laughs> but I am, actually. I mean, yeah, I did, I, I'm you know, not the fastest worker, but it was... Uh, not too bad. What do you do outside of uh, doing comics? Like a day? Do you have a day job? That well, yeah, that'd be easier. I didn't have a day job. Yeah, we we run a business. We sell um, books, so you can't get away from books. <laughs> you know, we we sell other people's books. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Like a bookstore or just yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, paperback fiction mostly. Um, contemporary fiction, classics. Yeah. I like books. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I kind of have to if I'm doing a radio show about comics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like some books. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're starting to take over, though, you know, they're everywhere, it's frightening. I mean, we've got a flat and, uh, you know, our stock is sort of creeping in and uh, taking over. It's, uh, that's the life. I yeah, guess. yeah. Uh, my uh, comic collection while doing this show has taken over my house and yeah, expanded yeah. and it's waiting for it just to fall over on me one day as I close oh, the door yeah, too like hard. The, I, I'm afraid that we, we've got a couple of cats, but there might be another one buried under a <laughs> pile of books somewhere, you know, can't get to. Oh, meow, meow. <laughs> what are you going to, are you going to follow up with another book, or do you have uh, your own project in mind? Well, hopefully we'll do next. another Bruce book as well, but I'm working on a, a, a third graphic novel at the moment, which I've just sort of started. Uh predictably and boringly set in Wales <laughs> but uh, yeah that's at early stages of that so. I was really surprised to see your uh, Cross the Empty Quarter coming out from Dark Horse yeah I'm quite surprised <laughs> um, we, we'd originally contacted them about um, another project and just happened to uh, that Philip Simon saw it and w- was a fan so that saw, yeah saw that book but didn't want to put that book out and um but suggested, or we suggested an anthology, and he, he liked that idea. 
so it was sort of luck, really. Yeah. Now, is it is it a pretty complete collection of your um, anthology work? I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know. I was trying to think the other day about how much isn't in it. There's probably maybe less than half of stuff. Oh wow. Together. Or about half, maybe. Maybe I think it's probably less than half actually. Because it's a good sized book. I mean, yeah, yeah. I left a lot out. <laughs> but um, yeah. It's the key pieces. Yeah, yeah, and uh, sadly there was a couple of stories that couldn't go in, uh, one story that couldn't go in, which I had to leave out, but, um, yeah, other than that, yeah, it was sort of, yeah, sort of picking through the past and deciding which ones to put in, and a couple of new stories as well, so. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Which didn't, ones? Didn't want to feel like there's, you know, there's nothing new at all, so. <laughs> what were the new ones? Um... <laughs> oh, terrible memory. Um, uh, two color stories. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, they're kind of um, yes, yes. Yeah, they're sort of a, a kind of extinction story, <laughs> and then a story about myth. <laughs> so it's, it's, they're kind of vaguely connected to each other, but two, two, two color stories. Yeah, two new color stories. Oh, nice. Well, overall, it's a great book. Oh, thanks. Very happy with it, and now looking forward. When do you think it's coming out? Um, it's supposed to be coming out in America in um, the end of December, okay. and it, um, probably January, you know, Overseas. early next year, over here. Excellent. Whenever it makes it across in the water. Yeah, yeah. Well, how about I uh, chat with Bruce now? Yep. That would, thanks. Thank you so much, Carol. Okay. And uh, I very much like your comics, and I'm really happy thanks to get so a much. chance to chat with you. Bye. Hi. Hey, Bruce. How are you doing? All right, thanks. So, giraffes in my hair—the line from a T-Rex song. Yeah, um, main man, not bone. Yeah. Um, was that a? Were you a big T-Rex fan? Uh, yeah, I still am. Yeah. It's a fantastic stuff. Um, tell me a bit about your choice of kind of chronicling your life. Oh, how do you mean? Uh, what was the idea behind working on a book about your experiences? Um, I think actually Carol was commissioned to write a story for a magazine, and we thought um, I had all these experiences I had told her about, and we sort of thought, why don't we um, do one of those? And we did it, and uh, I think we both liked the results. Um, so it sort of morphed into um, a, a whole, so, you know, a whole, a whole graphic novel. Now it covers quite a lot of time, doesn't it? The yeah. Book, like. Fifteen years is that about right? Well, uh, late sixties to late seventies. Okay. Twelve years, maybe. All right. I was off a little bit. Um, now, it's the kind of the story feels like you're pulling out different points in time in your life. Is that just a kind of art? Is there certain themes you're trying to capture with that, or? I, I think it was if there was a theme, it was sort of um, the optimism of of the sixties. Uh, taken over by sort of the nihilism and pessimism of the 70s. Sort of a downward arc. Yeah. I can totally see that. It's, uh, it almost seems like, uh, definitely like going with that optimism to nihilism, it seems like. It's, uh, and also, I, you know, I had had all these experiences and, and you know, just wanted to, I'd always told people them. we just thought it'd be nice to have them in writing and... Pull it together. Yeah. It seems like, uh, it's a look at like I don't know if I'm using the right term like kind of like at past hedonism 
Yeah, I, I suppose, yeah. Does that work? Yeah, that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we tell folks about some of the more fantastical experiences? Uh, well, yeah, I, I like the one um, hitchhiking 300 miles to see the Who. I was in um, Indiana at the time. They were playing at the Illinois State Fair. I was traveling around. I just split up with my girlfriend. She and I had run away uh, from New York together. Um, so I was just sort of hanging around in Indiana, and I, I noticed that the Who were playing. It was 300 miles away, but I thought I could get there by that evening with a bit of luck. <laughs> um, I got there literally, as it, as it shows in the story, in, in time to hear Pete Townsend, you know, say, you know, thank you, you know, thank you, Illinois, goodbye, good night. Um, so it was at a fairground. It was at the Illinois State Fair. Uh, it was dark, so I just found a place to live, to sleep for that night, and uh, I ended up staying there for about three weeks. One of the sleeping in the barn and um, uh, at night, you know, picking food off the ground, you know, half-eaten hot dogs or whatever. Do you have any... Uh, it, does it kind of bring up regrets going through this experience, or is it something like uh, the book as a whole? Uh, well, I'm 60 years old now. I don't think you could reach 60. I don't think anyone could reach 60 without having regrets, but um, I don't dwell on them. I'm not bothered by them. It's nothing... Uh, I'd, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather I'd never done heroin, but, um, you know, what can you do? Mm -hmm. Is um, there, like, a part of you that is trying to, like, get folks to kind of see what that experience brings on? And Well, I, I wanted to show my experiences, yeah. I mean, you know, people get out of them what, what, what they can, what they might. The, uh, you were in, what was it, in the Greenwich Village during your, uh, your using days? Um, yeah. Uh, I lived on uh, East 13th Street. Yes, I, I really like. We, we would call it the East Village. Greenwich, Greenwich Village okay. is like on the west side of Manhattan. Yeah. The East Village was sort of. Um, the lower side. In the 60s, it was sort of the, the center of, of the whole hippie movement, and then it became the center of the whole punk scene in the 70s. There, I felt like I, I, during my day job, I actually worked with. Uh, active drug users as a mental health worker and stuff and so I really appreciated um, your kind of your telling the story because it just felt um, just so honest but not where some people tell something like that and it's kind of exploitive and kind of like woo look at this yeah a lot of the reviews have sort of pointed that out but it, it never occurred to me to tell the stories you know any any particular way except the way they were I wasn't looking to moralize I wasn't looking to you know celebrate or anything like that. I just wanted to tell stories as they were. Yeah, and uh, actually the the moralized aspect, like that's really good, like how this is just something a terrible thing that someone goes through, but it it's happened and you can't kind of place a judgment call on addictions, I guess. It's hard. And whatever anybody says, yeah, it's going to keep happening to people, so. Yeah. No, it's uh I can vouch for that. Um, especially interesting. One of the things that the kind of the solicitation says for the book was the experience with Johnny Thunders, which is really interesting. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? About like that, how that yeah. Um, life? I, I think Johnny was sort of basically like a, a, a sad character. I mean, um, I, th I think the Dolls are one of the greatest bands ever. I think they're incredible. Like the Velvet Underground, they're incredibly influential. Uh, they never sold any records, and Johnny sort of, um, 
after uh, after the heartbreakers didn't didn't hit either. They were part of the original punk movement in this mm-hmm. country. I don't know if you're aware of that. Oh yeah. They went went on this um, Anarchy in the UK tour with the Sex Pistols and the Clash. They were sort of right there with them, but they didn't get any of the publicity. They didn't sell any records, and I don't know. Johnny was just sort of um, just sort of in limbo after that. Just sort of treading water. Kind I think of. he was incredibly talented and. Uh, but um, and you never really, never really had the impact you should have. No. Um, now, Carol was saying you have your own history with comics. You ran a comic yeah, store. Yeah, my father had a candy store in, in Manhattan. Okay. So um, when I was a kid, when I was seven or eight years old, I just used to sit there all the time and just read comics all day. I remember when um, when the Marvels came out, when suddenly there was a new character called um, Spider-Man, and there was a Fantastic Four. Even at seven, seven or eight, I was thinking um, I was getting tired of Superman. <laughs> you know, it was always, it was always Lois Lane trying to figure out Clark Kent's identity and how Clark is going to deceive her. And this, got this, pretty boring. Yeah, no, the, uh, the the DC stories at that point weren't very uh, dynamic, I guess, for lack of a better term. So, Jack they Gr- did revive, obviously, in, in the seventies and eighties, mm-hmm. and. Um, I, I read comics well into my 40s. It was after Image Comics came out that just sort of killed it for me. <laughs> so you still uh, read superhero? Like, I would think, like, after the 60s and 70s, you'd be just reading, like, Undergrounds and post Well, yeah, I read I read all the Underground. I remember buying the Zaps when they first came out, and they were incredible. But, yeah, I stayed with the, I stayed with the Marvels and the DCs, like, you know, well into my 40s. Oh, there's some good stuff happening right now. <laughs> no. Um... So, was there, like, working with Carol, um, the artistic aesthetic, was that something, like, because there is a visual linkage to that black and white undergrounds, is that kind of jive with your history? Uh, no, it wasn't really intentional. Basically, um, on some of the stories, I had an idea of, like, uh, say a particular panel or a page I had an idea of what it wanted to look like like the one on um, never going back to Georgia I thought it'd be nice to show us sort of in a lineup at the beginning mm-hmm. but then there were other stories like the uh, the Disney story uh, where Carol's idea was to have the uh, Hieronymus Bosch panel at the bottom which I thought was brilliant and there was the other story um, what would you do a moral dilemma where Carol had me morphing into a rat which which again I thought was brilliant mm-hmm no, that was a really interesting story. I really liked that one. Yeah, I, what would you do? You know? Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's just nothing ends up good for anyone. Yeah. Kind of. And I guess that's a that's almost a life lesson. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Um, now, Carol was saying you guys have more ideas of books. For the yeah, future. there's enough stories for um, a, a second, a sequel. Yeah, and the uh, French publisher wants one. He's been asking for it. Nice. So it's really it's when we went, probably when we get around to doing it because Carol, like she told you, uh, sort of just starting her, her third graphic novel, mm-hmm. which um, I, I think is brilliant. I think it's going to be her best one yet. D- is the story going to be just uh, an extension of like starting off from where this one ends? Where the drafts ends, or yeah, is it so, kind uh, of not not really because um, intersect. Well, it was just a limit to the amount of stories, so it'll, it'll sort of be um, 
more like a mirror of this one. More stories from the sixties, more stories from the seventies. I had an interesting encounter once with uh, with Sid Vicious that we left out. <laughs> uh, I had a beer with um, Jeff Beck and Jimi Hendrix one day. So stories like that, and that uh, interesting time trying to smuggle my uh, Czech girlfriend into Morocco and getting caught. <laughs> that that'll be in the sequel. That's uh, that's something I really like. I really enjoy with the book. It's like it just it feels like they they come together for holes, but you can kind of just flip it open and just eat, read any of these little stories and kind of just get an idea from that too. Yeah, we we did sort of see it like that. Just something to fun to read. Well, I look forward to uh, to it coming out whenever that will be. I really really thought a lot of this book, the drafts of my hair. Yeah, thanks very with much. The the corkscrew hair, corkscrew hair. Turn yeah. over the line. Well, thank you, Bruce. Okay, great. Yeah. 